Welcome to the Viravana Podcast, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. Uh, as you might be able to hear, we are here in a working brewery. Where are we, Jeff? We're at the uh, Breakside Production Facility here in lovely Milwaukee, Oregon. Milwaukee with an I. <laughs> uh, that's right. Uh, so uh, with me, of course, as always, is uh, Beervana blog author Jeff Allworth, also author of The Beer Bible, out now from Workman Publishing, and uh, Cider Made Simple, which is coming out soon from Chronicle. And with me is Patrick Emerson, uh, professor of economics at Oregon State University and a research fellow at the Center for Applied Microeconomic Research at Sao Paulo School of Economics, C-Micro, to you scoring at home. Uh, and those are the guys in the back, so we'll be hearing them throughout this. Uh, you yeah, can so part of the fun of uh, broadcasting or podcasting from a production brewery is we get lots of brewery noises. So if you ever want to know what it sounds like to work in a brewery, uh, there you go. Yeah, this is a guy in a, with a, a pallet of uh, three, three pallets of uh, kegs of beer. Uh, so. Fresh breakside beer. So uh, On the why are we here, Jeff? So we are here because this is the most exciting time of the year if you live in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, after the summer ends, that's typically when people quit thinking about beer in the rest of the country. But here, uh, it's when the fresh hop beers come online. And they are just now starting to come online here in Portland. It's actually at the very start. So we had a little trouble tracking down some fresh hop beers. Uh, the harvest, The hop harvest is just happening. But we managed to find a couple uh, here at Breakside, which is fortuitous because uh, Breakside is uh, one of the most uh, innovative breweries working with fresh hops. So we're happy to be here at Breakside. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're here in Portland, Oregon. We have uh, the advantage of living literally miles away, a few miles away from uh, the hop fields of the Willamette Valley, um, uh, where you can find uh, many varietals of hops, and the harvest season is right now. So uh, we're here at Breakside Brewery to celebrate uh, fresh hop beers, to talk about fresh hop beers, and to analyze how fresh hop beers are made and how they taste. So just a few, uh, a few words about where we are. Breakside Brewery is a brewery that was uh, started in uh, Portland, Oregon in uh, 2010 in the Woodlawn neighborhood. Um, it Which was uh, originally... Woodlawn is way on the other side of the town. Yeah, so nowhere close north. to where we are now. Yeah. But they were originally a nano brewery and a restaurant, yep. uh, and they quickly grew. They're now a 3.5-barrel brewery at the restaurant, and they started at this production brewery here in Milwaukee, Oregon, uh, in 2012. Uh, they sell their beer in Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Hawaii, and British Columbia now, and uh, they are known for making some pretty high-quality beers. In fact... They took gold at the Great American Beer Festival in 2014 in the most hotly contested category, which is the American-style IPA. And in fact, we are going to taste a fresh hop version of that gold medal award-winning beer uh, today. They've also won a number of other medals. They had an Irish stout that won a silver, an ESB that won a bronze, and uh, an English mild that won a silver as well, all at GABF. Right. Breakside is, uh, for those of you who are wondering what kind of brewery it is, uh, it's a... Uh, a brewery that's kind of known probably in, improperly for its uh, uh, experimental beers. Um, ben Edmonds, the master brewer here, and his team of brewers like to experiment with odd flavors, and they do some wonderful beers. Like one of my favorite is a thing called a uh, salted caramel stout, uh, which has which has salt in it, and the caramel comes from the caramel malt, and it's a stout, and it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's really well done. They're, they're really good at using um, interesting ingredients. But the truth is, um, one of their, th my favorite beer, possibly my favorite beer that they make is just a standard uh, Pilsner, 5% German Pilsner, low IBU, extremely well-balanced, wonderful session beer, perfect on a hot day when you're out there at the Deacon Pub. So they make everything. And of course, um, as with many Portland and Oregon breweries, they have a badass lineup of IPAs. So yeah, they have and like three or four IPAs. Yeah. I'll out myself as uh, <laughs> in full c concordance with the, the judges at the GABF. It is my favorite, my current favorite IPA, which usually changes about once every six months to 12 months because of the changing style of IPA, but it right. is my current number one. Uh, closely, closely followed by the gigantic IPA. Right. So, so Supplanting the gigantic IPA, which supplanting the gigantic IPA was yeah, your right. your fave six months ago. So they know how to do hops, which is which is good thing, but fresh hops are a particular uh, beast. 
So maybe you can tell us a little bit about the history of uh, fresh hop beers. Where did they get started, when, and how? Yeah, you'd think that fresh hops come from the Pacific Northwest because right now we're by far the world leader in making fresh hop beers. We make here in, here in uh, uh, Oregon and Washington, um, we have uh, hundreds of examples of these. Uh, it grows every year. And probably, um, uh, I don't know, 75 to 100 breweries in each state make at least one of these, and many make many of the breweries make many of them. So you'd think that it's, it comes from here, but actually, um, doing the research, it looks like it was actually the first brewery that, that we have record of uh, is a brewery in England, the Wadworth Brewery, and you're, gonna, you're an Englishman, or an English subject anyway, is it Devizies? Uh, yeah, I'm an English subject, but you got me on this. Uh, Devizies is how I would pronounce it. I'm sure we're wrong, but that's yeah. okay. So that's a... That's a uh, small town uh, west of London by, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. And they, they did it in uh, 1992. A brewer there called uh, Trevor Holmes was, it, it's just one of those things that it, it actually seems sort of intuitive. You're looking at the hop fields and you wonder, you know, you, you think about uh, the difference between dried basil and fresh basil and it uh, wouldn't take a brewer very long to think what the difference is between uh, fresh hops and dried hops, and and the first one that we know of was uh, Trevor at Wadworth, and and so in uh, 1992 he made a a batch, and they've been doing it every year since then. In the United States, uh, Bert Grant, who is now un unfortunately not with us, uh, and his brewery, which was named after him, uh, they were doing it in '96, and I think Sierra Nevada was also doing it in '96. So um, it's it's not really that old, uh, 20 years give or take, and um, since then, it's been slowly building. I mean, I, you and I were fairly interested in this when it got going, and I, I was looking back through my blog archives and trying to figure out when was it becoming a thing, and it looks like it was becoming a thing maybe just like eight years ago was really when it totally was exploding. That's about when I remember it sort of popping into my consciousness as well. Uh, but Fresh hops are a particular, a particular thing. And by the way, just uh, since we're talking about them, there's sometimes a debate about whether we should call them fresh or wet hops. Right. Uh, when we use the term fresh hops, we mean the non-dried variety. So the ones, and they, they dry out pretty quickly. Right. So how long are we really talking? Well, yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the whole, the whole wet, the, the process. Um, Trevor Holmes was the first one to do it, and he basically, what he did was, was what... Uh, the uh, uh, Americans now do too, and it's one of the reasons why it's such a regional thing. Is because you have to have close proximity to the hop fields. Uh, the second you you cut the vine, uh, the the hop begins to degrade. So uh, a hop cone, known officially as a strobile, mm -hmm. has uh, four something like 400 flavor compounds in it. So we always talk about the the four main essential oils that are in it, but it's got um, alpha acids and beta acids and uh, cohumulone and adhumulone and terpenes, and it's got all this crazy stuff. Um, so the, a, a hop is a very complex thing with a lot of flavor compounds, and it turns out that when you use these hops, uh, when they're undried, you get flavors that are as different from a dried hop, a, a commercially kilned hop, which is uh, slowly dried so that um, it turns like, like basil, to go back to the example. Right. Uh, you're, you're talking about the fresh, the difference between fresh basil and dried basil is roughly like it's, it's a good analog. It's, it's, they're quite different um, when right. you use them. If so you ever tried to shake some dried basil on top of uh, a slice of tomato and some fresh mozzarella, you'll know that <laughs> the difference. Don't do it is my advice. Yeah, uh, all those flesh, fresh flavors that you get out of fresh basil, those like garden fresh Pop bursting flavors. That's yeah. what you get out of a fresh hop. So local brewers, I mean, we're, we're talking about sort of a same-day operation often. They'll go down to the hop fields in the morning. They'll harvest the hops. They'll stick them in a truck. They'll truck them back up to Portland, and they'll be using them by that evening. Right. So in, in Oregon, they're grown in the Willamette Valley, which is down around uh, the Salem, Silverton area. So that's maybe 45 minutes from Portland. It's also, you know, very close to Eugene, very close to Salem, very close to Corvallis, not e not so far from Bend. So all these breweries have pretty good access to these these hops. Um, and in fact, Portland is much closer to the Willamette uh, Valley hops than Seattle is to Yakima. It's about right. it's about twice as far for them. So yeah, Yakima's quite a bit away from Seattle. Yeah. Not 
not to slag our friends to the north, but we do no, have better access. No, no, but access. it's interesting. <laughs> and, this is, and this is, I might as well interject sort of the economics uh, at this point, because what I, what I love about Fresh Hops as a, as a sort of, uh, uh, what my heart loves about Fresh Hops is sort of the artisanal, back to the earth, uh, ag agrarian tradition we're sort of starting here, where it's, uh, uh, it's, it's about a, it's about a place and a time, and it's about a harvest, and and right. you get to sort of experience that, and it's a, a fleeting experience. But that also makes it economically an interesting subject as well, because uh, it's really a market of time and place. I mean, markets in general uh, have to be defined as a time and place, but this is one that's a very narrow window. It's it can only happen in certain areas that are close to hop fields. It can only happen in a certain window that's close to harvest time, and so uh, the market for these. Uh, fresh hot beers is uh, something that's very narrow. In terms of the supply side, I think there's a huge demand now. It's become a thing. Uh, but in terms of the demand side, it's it's you have to be on your toes. You got to be ready to catch this this phenomenon when it happens. It's not like the sort of Beaujolais wine where you can still buy it in the bottle six months later. Right. You really you really need to be around. This is I think the the one thing that I would communicate to people outside the Pacific Northwest who have had these, especially if they've had bottled beer that's been shipped from other parts of the country, is you're not actually tasting the fresh hops. You may be tasting some wonderful hop character, but when you're here at the uh, at a brewery where they bottled or they've uh, basically bottles don't work. Basically, you should assume that a keg is the only way to try this. I have had a couple of bottles of decent beer, but. But these, the flavors are so evanescent that day by day, if you go to a, if you, if you will be tasting some of these beers later, if we taste it today, we come back in two or three days, it's going to taste different. Those hops are going to degrade a little bit. Those things that we were talking about, those 400 flavor compounds are so incredibly delicate and volatile that they just fade. So you're right. You've got to, if you want to experience these things properly, you have to go to a brewery. Like it actually, those of us who like it, we, we try to figure out when a brewery has put one on, and we get there as soon as we can. And and if there's more than one on, we ask, you know, which which is one, which one just yeah. came on, because that's going to be the one that's yeah. the best. One of the earlier, I was about to say great successes. Let me let me preface that by saying, uh, fresh hop beers have been around for quite a quite a number of years now, but early on, fresh hop beers were often not very good. Right. Uh, the brewers have learned a lot in recent years about how to use fresh hops. Uh, and back in the day, you know, back in whatever it was, 2009, uh, it was quite often to get quite a number of beers that were sort of unpleasantly vegetal and weedy and grassy. Yeah. Um, but one of the early, the, the early success stories, I'll, I'll say, of Fresh Hop, the, 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 very, the beer that probably got me uh, most excited about Fresh Hop beers was a beer called uh, Killer Green hmm. from Double Mountain. And I know you talked to Matt Swihart from Double yeah. Mountain about uh, their approach to fresh hops. I did, and it kind of gets back to this, this thing we were talking about, about the, 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 the freshness, both of the hop itself, the hop cone itself, and then the freshness of the beer. Um, Matt talked about, and actually, I saw yesterday a picture of Matt. Somebody had snapped a picture of him uh, in front of a hop field. I don't know, even know which hop. I don't know if he was in Yakima or the Willamette Valley, uh -huh. but he was, there, he was, there was a little biplane. He had He'd flown there on a plane, and he was going to fly them back. <laughs> so he's he's really committed That's to fresh hops. So he said uh, he he talked about how incredibly important uh, it is to get these things as soon as possible. And I unfortunately uh, the quote I have here I don't I don't have audio of it. I'll just read it to you. We we uh, exchanged emails uh, a year or two ago about this. So um, this is what he said. Uh, from my perspective, you simply can't use wet hops. Uh, fresh hops more than 12 to 24 hours after picking unless you can spread them out in a cooler and keep them cold. But then he goes on. Unfortunately, the high moisture and oil content at harvest also starts to uh, break down and physically compost once the vine is cut. Uh, on a Brewer's Gold run a year back, and here Brewer's Gold, he's talking about a hop variety, the hops turned orange and heated almost hot to the touch deep inside the hop bins, and you could visually see the oil and moisture being driven off the hops, even though they were in a cooler at 33 degrees Fahrenheit. So, but really, there's no way to keep these things fresh once they're cut. You, the only thing that you have working for you is time. So the faster you get them back to the brewery and the faster you get them in the brewing process, the fresher they're going to be, yeah. full stop. Yeah. So the closer you are to the hops, whether you're 
brewery has grown its own hops and can get them right in, or you can get close to hop fields. That's, that's really the way to do these things. Yeah. So let's talk about the beers themselves. We have, yeah. uh, and let's taste some beers. We yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's first, on, first talk about what you think the beer is supposed to be. What is it supposed to taste like? What do you think brewers are going for with these well, you should, you're, you're, you're actually, I think you, I'll give you credit for having, I was unimpressed at first. I didn't, I think you were the one to see the potential of these beers before I did. So I should throw that back to you. But from my perspective, um, the hot, you know, the hop character that you get from a, a green, fresh hop is, um, it's always been a little bit hard to describe. We don't have vocabulary uh, that, that can describe these. There's another reason why people have never had them can't appreciate them just through the language. You really have to taste them yeah. to appreciate them. But I think them. the analogy of fresh, fresh herbs to dried herbs yeah. is a very good analogy. The kind of way that fresh herbs like fresh basil has that uh, delicate and fresh popping taste that you never get in a dried herb at all. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like the fresh hops to me. Right. And you get, yeah, it's that, uh, to use the basil analogy, the uh, uh, there's almost a a garden greenness, and the, the fresher it is, there's a kind of a way that you can feel the life in in the in the herb. Mm -hmm. uh, you get that in the hop too. Yeah, green and green is is how I always describe it. Yeah, if a color can evoke a flavor. <laughs> I mean, that's that's essentially what we're talking about. This this essential greenness, which to me also is uh, essentially it's it's a connection to sort of the earth and and some kind of living plant that that we're we're eating. It's the most uh, uh, most sort of a live beer, uh, in my in, in that sense to me, and that's what I liked early on. Even when the even when often they weren't great, right. I still loved that aspect of tasting something that I knew was was incredibly ephemeral and, and incredibly sort of close to the actual plant itself. And you can take you. Uh, there's a thing. There's a quality of freshness that is not dependent on the variety. And when you smell a fresh hot beer, it doesn't matter what kind it is. You can usually tell if it's a really good presentation and the fresh hops are really ripe and, and, and fresh in there, uh, you can tell it's a fresh hop beer. It's just, it's got its own wonderful aroma. Yeah. So, and it's then through the flavor too, you can really yeah. pick it out. And I think another fascinating thing about these is it, uh, if you, if you, you know, like if you really cannot recognize a cascade hop uh, in a beer or any hop, uh, and then you try the fresh hop version of that, it's likely to taste radically different. You will not necessarily recognize it as a That's cascade. That's exactly right, yeah. The fresh hop versions of the dried hops that you're familiar with aren't necessarily that similar at all. Yeah. So we have an interesting, uh, an interesting case study here. What yep. Breakside has done is has, they've created fresh hop versions of uh, their two sort of uh, flagship IPAs, their standard IPA, and then their Wonderlust IPA, which is sort of a strong, pale, little less strong IPA. They call it a golden IPA. Golden IPA. I don't know if the, that's going to go anywhere. It is more, we were looking at them, it is more golden. And yeah. so what they've given us is uh, both the normal versions, uh, or the regular year-round versions, and then fresh hop versions. So the Wonderlust um, dry hops with Cascades, and then uh, they have uh, fresh hopped it with Cascades instead, or in addition. Um, and with uh, with their regular IPA, Simcoe. So they normally dry hop with Simcoe, and this time they've, uh, they've either replaced or added uh, uh, fresh hops uh, Simcoe to it. So, And I think actually they might have more than just those in their f dry hopping, but but, uh, but those are part of the dry hopping regime. They right. Mean, so, mean, yeah, yeah, sorry. I just meant that those are, the, those are the hops they used in the fresh hop editions. Right. Uh, so let's taste. I'm going to start with the, the Wonderlust. Okay, uh, and you're going for the fresh hop. And I'm going for the fresh hop first uh, because I want, a, I want an unadulterated uh, sample of the, of the uh, fresh hop. In this case, uh, when I smelled the two, um, we, there uh, we got a little help uh, with having these poured, and when we laid them out, um, there's some kind of a little bit of confusion about which was the fresh hop and which was not the fresh hop. In the case of the Wanderlust, that aroma really presented itself. When I smelled it, I was like, that's definitely the fresh hop. It's got that green thing going mm -hmm. on. Your thoughts on taste? Yeah, I'm just, I just took a taste of the, of the standard by comparison. But yeah, to me, the difference in the fresh hop is, again, we're going to struggle for the, for the right adjectives here. Um, uh, 
But it is as we as we suggested. It's that extra that extra sort of. I'm, I'm I'm trying hard not to use words that people would would take negatively, but it's sort of an extra vegetal uh, freshness. Or like vegetal in an herbal sense, though. Sorry. Vegetal in an herbal sense. Yes. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't mean sort of like compost or. It's also a little softer. Uh, there's a from my. To my palate, the regular Wanderlust has a slight steely edge at the finish, which the fresh hop one um, is round and uh, garden-like <laughs> somehow. Spring garden. I agree. I agree. And it's, it's quite different on the nose. Yeah, it's really, really different on the nose. It's, and now that it's warmed up, it's even more obvious. Mm -hmm. um, when we first had these poured, they were um, a little bit harder to tell. But now it's just really obvious. Um, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. This so is we. Here, here's one of those things for the podcast. We wish we could uh, share this with everyone. Then you would know. We're trying to struggle to describe. Although them. I'm gonna uh, this time I'm gonna experiment a little bit with multimedia and take a few pictures of of uh, what these these beers look like. Of course, we don't have smell vision, so right. You can't smell them. But I'll but I'll take a few pictures and we'll post them on the on the uh, Facebook page a little later. Uh, the other uh, thing I was gonna say is that early on. Uh, brewers sort of were trying to figure out how to use fresh hops. And um, sometimes they would just use fresh hops instead of dried hops entirely with uh, often wild and sort of crazy results. These beers clearly have a full hop schedule that goes on in the boil. And then these fresh hops, it turns out, are added in the bright tank, um, just in the conditioning tank. Right. In a big bag, a sachet, essentially, of fresh hops are dunked into the conditioning tank. And so... Uh, these additions are sort of relatively subtle. They're big. They're fairly big hoppy beers anyway. And then these late additions are relatively subtle to what uh, used to happen a few years ago when the fresh hops would really be sort of in your face. Yeah, I think this mirrors a change in the way brewers approach uh, hoppy beers uh, in general. It used to be, uh, and actually the, the 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 time frame is really similar too. Twenty years ago, uh, the first IPAs modern IPAs were coming on the market and they were very bitter and the brewers were focused on putting as much bitterness in the beers as possible, um, not worrying too much about flavor and aroma hops at the end. All the flavor, all the, all the punch was in the start. And then over the 20 years since then, that's flipped uh, and, and the focus has become more and more on the late edition hops. And in, f and in fact, I was talking to Ben Edmonds earlier uh, for a different project uh, and he was explaining their process now is to use very small bitter additions, um, do a, f a fairly large 10-minute uh, addition, so that's 10 minutes left in the boil, mm -hmm. and then they do a really big addition, I think like a pound and a half of hops per barrel in the Whirlpool. Right. And, the, and the Whirlpool is, a, is, a, is a, after the beer stops boiling, it goes into this, uh, this other vessel, uh, where the the trube, the the various particles will be filtered out through whirlpool, and they steep the hops in that. So it's like a it's more of an infusion. It's like a tea. They're making a hop tea because it's it's below boiling and, it, and it, it's in there for about an hour. And over the course of the hour, it'll get uh, even cooler down to like 180 degrees. It extracts a fair amount of bitterness. Ben says, but of course, it also extracts a whole bunch of different of of those 400 chemical compounds, most are boiled off when you put them early on. When you put them later, a lot of them stay in the, in the, in the beer. And then they also do tons of dry hopping as well. So it's totally flipped. Yeah, it's, it's actually a really, a really good point I hadn't thought about because the, the arc of, the, of the, uh, the fresh hop really sort of mimics that arc. I mean, you know, eight, ten years ago, IPAs were, were sort of caustic, bitter, melt-your-face, yeah. thinking of sort of like the original stone brewing lineup and so the kind of stuff where it's just lots and lots of early edition <laughs> where it's just super bitter and not as much flavorful and now the whole thing is flipped yeah. so it's all super late edition hops uh it's pl plenty bitter but it's just saturated in flavor and so they've really become quite clever at at using hops in a way that extracts the maximal flavor out and it's partly due to this these great hop varietals we're now producing that have so much flavor in them yeah and we when we talked to some of the brewers uh they were they were saying that they were doing the same that the same process was happening with the brewing of, of uh, fresh hops. Um, there was a brewer named Vasilios Gletsos who used to be at Laurelwood. He's now at Hills Farmstead. Uh, he was here in town. 
And uh, he he said that he pretty much he uses fresh hops only on the cold side, which is to say after the beer has fermented and it's sitting in the conditioning tank, that's when you add dry hops. That's when you put hops in there, and it doesn't extract any of the bitterness at all, just the flavor or just the aroma compounds. Um, and he said when when he moved to uh, McTarnahan's, which was the brewery before he was at Laurelwood, which was where before Hill Farmstead, he said, I didn't have the flexibility to use fresh hops on the hot side at the kettle, so I devised a plan to add them in the conditioning tanks. Uh, oh, and then he describes how he does it, um, which is what Patrick said a minute ago about the sachets. And he, and he said, uh, this gave the best fresh-squeezed flavor uh, I've ever gotten from fresh hops. A beautiful mix of peach fruit cup with a touch of tea and an unparalleled horticultural mouthfeel, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so uh, we, cold we side. We need a brewer to describe the flavors that we're getting out yes, of Yes, there we go. <laughs> and we uh, have a brewer here with us right now. Uh, this is Ben Edmonds, the master brewer here at Breakside, who's just sitting down to join us. Okay, so we're here with uh, brewmaster Ben Edmonds, and we want him to describe the process that he uses, which I, I think is unique. Is that right? You don't know anybody else is doing this? Not, no, no one else as far as I know. Yeah, so uh, as we've been talking about, the process of making fresh hot beers has been an evolution uh, since the very start, and the way they do it here at Breakside is but maybe another evolution, maybe a unique thing that will always stay with Breakside. But it's, anyway, it's a very fascinating process. Why don't you tell us how you do that, Ben? Yeah, um, well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Welcome, thank you. About a, I guess just a little bit of backstory. I mean, the, the bottom line is that we, what we do with our fresh hops is we actually uh, flash freeze them using liquid nitrogen and then crush them open before putting them into the beer. And uh, the, the backstory on this is that I'm not personally a huge fan of the kind of vegetal chlorophyll-like character in a lot of fresh hop beers. And I don't want to knock anyone's beer in particular, but I, for me, when I moved to the Northwest, I was a little bit familiar with fresh hop beers. When I first started tasting them, I, they just all tasted really green to me. Um, and I think that's a, the character that a lot of people look for in them. But for me, the thing that's so cool about fresh hop beers is you can get the varietal character out of the hop if you can get inside the hop. But frankly, like most fresh hop beers, I don't think get it varietal character. I think they just get it leaf matter. And so we talked for a while about how we could go about kind of getting that lupulin, the specific mosaic character, the specific Simcoe character, into a fresh hop beer and eventually came up with this method of uh, using liquid nitrogen to flash freeze the hops, immediately then use soil tampers to uh, shatter them, and then they go into great big kind of uh, bags that we then throw into our bright tanks and the beer gets conditioned on that for four days. And I mean, the results, you guys have the beers in front of you right now, I think um, that what we end up with is a beer that doesn't really taste like a fresh hop beer the way other fresh hop beers taste like fresh hop beers, but I think it's really distinctively different from our normal version of that beer. And to me, it's almost a more intense, pungent, um, almost hop candy-like character. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and so how did the idea of the nitrogen come to you? Like what? I was literally uh, sitting, I was on a drive up to Seattle with one of our brewers for an event, and he was asking about our fresh hop processes, and I went through the same stuff that I was just talking to you about, and it was kind of just a brainstorming session, and it was when I said the words, I was like, I almost just want to, like, take the hops and shatter them, and I remember having that moment where I used the word shatter, and I don't know why it triggered for me a thought of, you know, fifth grade science fair or something where you <laughs> use liquid nitrogen, um, but that, that's what did it. When I thought about a hop in terms of like breaking it open in a uh, like glass, it made sense. And you, you use uh, un-nitrogenated fresh hops in the Whirlpool, is that right? We don't. Okay. Uh, no, you know, honestly, for a brewery of our size, a production brewery, it's, it's a real pain to make fresh hop beers. Okay. Because if you're going to use the fresh hops, the green hops or wet hops, whatever you want to call them, on the hot side before fermentation is done. Yeah. Uh, because you have to keep a fermenter open, which for us is, I mean, we lose thousands of dollars by the day if we keep a fermenter open. Ah, and it doesn't make sense for us to do that. And frankly, I think that hitting 
fresh hops with hot wort tends to throw more of those chlorophyll and vegetal-like characters. So we focus on the cold side, on getting beer, uh, finished beer, out of a fermenter onto the fresh hops. And that's something that, uh, giving credit where credit is due, Laurelwood and Deschutes kind of pioneered that approach. I think most people do tend to use it on the hot side, uh, whereas some of these other breweries are going, going in bright tanks with them. Yeah, I think that's, that was, we, we've been talking about this sort of evolution in fresh hops from hot side to cold side, which sort of mirrors uh, a conversation you and I had from a focus on bittering hops to flavor, uh, yeah. whirlpool, uh, dry hops. The, like, like those two things have gone alongside. And I remember even five years ago, breweries felt like in order to call it a fresh hop, they had a fresh hop beer. They had to have nothing, no con no conventional kilned hops in it, or else right. it was a fresh hop. And then somebody, I actually thought it was Matt Swihart in Killer Green, who was the first one to admit that he was using a regular bitter charge and only adding them later. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know who I, I don't know who to give credit that. But then it, the word was out, and people were realizing that that's maybe not the best way to do right. it. Right. I mean, you can't just use them that way. Otherwise, I mean, you you're not going to end up with a with a great beer at least doing that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when you put them in the hot side, especially earlier in the in the boiling process, as a brewer, maybe you can reflect on this. Uh, you pick up a, you're dealing with like a, a wet mass of vegetables, and yeah. it seems like it it accelerates the extraction of some of the, the things that you don't want from a hop. Yeah, you're gonna pick up a lot of polyphenol character out of the hops. So you're gonna get kind of this tannic bite, almost like a black tea kind of character potentially. You're also gonna, just going to lose a ton of beer. I mean, the absorption rate on whole leaf hops into your hot liquid is going to be tremendous. So right. I think there's a huge loss there. And uh, then I think that, yeah, you're just putting a lot of vegetative matter into your, into your beer. And in the same way that if you add you know, low alpha hops as your bittering hop, I think, and you use five times more than you would have, like say, a higher alpha version of that uh, or for the equivalent bittering, you're adding mass to your beer, and it's not flavorless. It's going to end up impacting the beer right. in some way, and usually it's undesirably. I mean, guys like Barley Browns and Fatheads who make amazing hoppy beers, they still use their fresh hops on the hot side, but they keep them in, it's mash and hot back, mash and hot back only, and then everything downstream is, is business as usual. It's all the normal hopping, it's all the normal dry hopping, but they push that green kind of herbal tea-like flavor out of those two areas, we tend to go with a normal beer all the way through and then differentiate it with that cold conditioning. So one thing that uh, the American-style hoppy brewing allows brewers to do is create uh, a, ca a house character. And what you're describing sounds like uh, different techniques to individuate and demonstrate the, uh, like a unique quality of, of flavor. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's a well-defined enough style where you can say at this point, it's like, oh, well, Breakside doesn't get that green character out of their hop, fresh hop beers. They're not good fresh hop beers. I mean, it's a different use of those same fresh hops. And again, like, you know, I challenge anyone to come in and taste fresh hop Wanderlust and regular Wanderlust. So they're literally the same batch side by side and not taste the difference, you know. You want to? Yeah, so I just had one question, which is, as a business decision, fresh hop beers seem kind of like a big pain in the ass and a, a lot of time. Yeah. So why do you do it? Yeah, I, so on my way back from the gym this morning as I was coming in, Patrick, I actually knew you were going to ask that question <laughs> and uh, did, the, did some rough numbers in my head. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, it's a break-even proposition for us. Uh, so we, we don't make, a, at best, the, we don't make a single cent on fresh hop beer more than we do on a regular keg of IPA. We have to charge a little bit more for the keg to a bar or to our wholesaler, but that's the cost of the fresh hops itself. I mean, it's, you know, we're looking at 100 extra pounds of hops into a 60-barrel batch of beer for us, uh, and basically just the cost that we charge the wholesaler in that is, is accounts for that. So, yeah. But it's just... Uh uh, sort of an expectation now of the local brewery to come out with fresh hops this season? It is an expectation, and, and I guess I should say one thing. There is, there is a little bit of change on the money side of this, on the economic side of this, which is that uh, anecdotally I would say that if I look at our pub numbers, it's the one time of year when we have fresh hop beers on tap where we actually see our average tickets increase. Huh. So cover, if you, know, you control for all the other variables... What it would suggest is that when fresh hop beers are on, the person who's coming, on, coming in and normally having two beers will actually have three beers. The person who has one will have two. And 
So the value is there in doing it that way. You end up moving a lot more beer right over the counter. And actually, the timing's pretty good, too, because probably normally September's kind of a dip after the summer. So uh, that works. Yeah, it, I mean, you, you know, the Midwest, or sorry, the, the Northwest, <laughs> thinking about my roots there. The Northwest uh, is not big on pumpkin beers, on spiced beers for fall, on even Oktoberfest lagers. I mean, this has basically become our de facto fall seasonal, is that you do fresh hop beers. And you make a lot of them, and you can move a lot more over the counter than you would on average compared to, a, say, an equivalent 60-barrel batch of beer that you were making elsewhere, or making another time of year. Nice. All right, well, thank yep. you, Dan. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. Yeah, enjoy the beers. Fascinating. Well, on that note, why don't we move on to the uh, second beer that they gave us, which is their uh, gold medal-winning uh, Breakside IPA. Um, Jeff right. has the... I'll grab the fresh hop. Do you want... I don't know. I'll start with, yeah, I'll start with a non-fresh hop this time. Oh, I do love this beer. <laughs> so this beer is, just to compare them, the, the Wanderlust is a lighter beer. It's about 6%. doesn't have as many dark malts. Uh, the IPA is a little stronger, I think 65 um, A little hoppier, and it's a darker beer uh, and has a bit more caramel malt character. Yeah, and it's a thoroughly modern IPA in the sense that it's just absolutely saturated with flavor, uh, citrus and pine notes. Yeah. yeah, for me, this one is, it's actually a little bit harder to pick up the fresh hop note. Um, the beer is a classically intense American IPA. So from the... the yeah, I think some of the same things are true, though. I pick it up uh, much more readily on the nose first. And I think, like you identify with the Wanderlust, it... It sort of uh, is, has a slightly rounder mouth feel. Yeah, I, I do think that's true. The This is one thing about these beers. So a lot of brewers typically will use a kind of standard IP, or standard pale ale base, not an IPA base, uh, so that they don't have so many conventional hops competing. Yeah. Uh, just to make sure that that fresh hop really pops. Brewers do it differently, though. Um, we've been talking about Matt Swihart and his, at, at Double Mountain, and he does... Uh, two beers, Killer Red and Killer Green. And these are IPAs, and they're big IPAs. They're like 7% IPAs. And right. they are, they've always just been ex superlative beers. So, you know, you can you can do it with different styles, though typically you're likely to see a 5.5% basic pale, pale ale as a base. Yeah. This one is uh, Simcoe. Mm. And so... Uh, in Ben's estimation, or at least what he's going for, is um, some true sort of Simcoe character here. And yeah, and Simcoe is a really spiky, punchy hop. Uh, it's got, it's pretty piney, mm -hmm. um, and it probably gets a little bit less of that character when you dry hop with it. It's probably more, uh, more to the grapefruit side. Yeah. And it's um, interesting because we were talking earlier before we talked to Ben about how uh, the character of the fresh hops is quite can often be quite different, and the taste can be quite different than the dried version. And uh, what he's describing is somehow getting at uh, a little bit more of that same essential character from the inside. Right. He's and looking, I, and 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 I think that's what we're experiencing in these beers because they're not tremendously different uh, than the non-fresh hop versions, but they do have this uh, sort of extra freshness on top, this extra greenness. Again, I'm going to use that term. Uh, I'm sure he would be displeased if I said vegetal, and it's really not in any way vegetal in the sense of uh, being sort of leafy or weedy or composty. One of the great uh, fresh hop beers, if you ever have a chance to come to Oregon, is Fresh Hop Mirror Pond. And like these beers, it's pretty cool when a brewery makes a standard, one of their standard beers and does a fresh hop version. Yep. And the only thing they do differently is add fresh hops because... Much like the two beers that we're trying here, it really gives you a chance to appreciate the qualities that are in a fresh hop. So uh, it, that's another one that I would recommend because it is also um, a wonderful opportunity to try those. And it's really, really, that in that case, I, I don't think uh, Deschutes is looking, they, they have a different philosophy. And, and as Ben said, you know, breweries have different philosophies, and that's actually why we like them. They have different philosophies, but... Uh, Deschutes is looking to get different characters. So they make a fresh hop uh, uh, beer called Chasin' Freshies to really pop that. And they make their fresh hop 
uh, Mirapon, and they're they're very distinctive beers. So That's it's right. interesting how they they, they approach still make it differently. Hot harvest, I think, too, which is a bigger, uh, yeah, big. Yeah, actually, Deschutes. Um, we'll probably get toward the end of the podcast to some of the things to do if you ever come out here, but definitely check out Deschutes. They are one of the most avid fresh hop breweries. So the, the, both the Bend, if you're in Bend or if you're in Portland, uh, they'll have during fresh hop season a rotating series. They they make um, probably a dozen fresh hop beers, and we'll have three or four on at any given time during the season. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about selecting your hops. Yeah, let's uh, do that. There are probably better and worse choices to use uh, for fresh hops. So what have brewers discovered about? Well, types of I think we've discovered this too. When we first started going to the Fresh Hop Fest, yeah. we, would, we were realizing that uh, uh, time and again, the ones that we were liking seemed to be coming from certain hops, like um, classic Cascade. We learned to really trust Cascade. and then That's right. Early on, Cascade was the go-to one. If it yeah. Been, if it Fresh Hop with Cascade, that was generally better than most. And we were finding out that when you used... Uh, European varieties, it didn't seem to work out so well. And right. I, I still, I mean, I think breweries in the, in the eight years that we've been tasting it, breweries have moved away from European varieties even more, uh, just in general. But uh, every time a brewery tries a Hollertau or something like that, and these are, of course, domestic varieties, domestic Hollertaus, they just really don't seem to work. They tend to get more of that other weird stuff, and they'd go sideways and yeah. should be weird. Um, one, so, uh, I did a, on the blog a while back, I did a, I looked at the, the varieties that brewers are trying and, uh, a few years ago, I can't remember what year this was, uh, over half the fresh hop beers that, uh, were listed, uh, at the, the annual fest that was put on by the Oregon Brewers Guild. I, I put the, dumped those in a database and over half of them were Cascade, Centennial, uh, Crystal and Amarillo. So brewers were really at gravitating toward those those hop style those hop varieties. Then uh, we've got new hop varieties now. Um, ben mentioned before we started uh, the podcast that he's going to do an equinox, and then they've got a mosaic coming online. Well, these these weren't popular five years ago, yeah. so they weren't there. Yeah. But um, one of the things we when I talked to when I was uh, talking to brewers about this, one of the things they uh, Van Havig from Gigantic mentioned was he thinks it has something to do with oil content. So when you look at a hop, each hop uh, variety and is rated for how much uh, oil content, content it has and when they're actually harvested they'll measure the oil content and they tend to range from about a half a percent by weight to like 4%. Really oily hops will be 4% by right. weight. Um, and when, when I spoke to Van he said uh, I think it really all lies in hop choice. The higher hop oils seem to make better fresh hop beers. This makes tu intuitive sense, of course, uh, but it really is the case that if you have to start with the right, but it really is the case you have to start with the uh, right raw materials. Um, and he talks about using late hops uh, because if you're in his, as his point, if you're talking about oils, oils are driven up. They're very volatile. That's right. Yeah. Um, so when he says uh, when we make them, we Add a little bit of a known bittering hop at the start of the boil, and then all the wet hops go in the hop back. We use a lot, 200 plus pounds for, pounds for 15 barrels. If we need to touch it up with dry hops, we use a light hand. So he looks for, in his process, he's looking for hop varieties that have very high oil contents. And, and I don't know if other breweries are, uh, are, are doing that. I know that hop selection, we know so little bit, so little about the, the chemistry of wet hops that are fresh hops that um, brewers are just trying to kind of figure this out on their own. There's no data set. We haven't done any research. We don't know anything about it. So uh, brewers out there, as you find things, you can let us know. Uh, hop oils, but Van Havoc believes hop oils are an important key. Yeah. We did our own uh, fresh hop experiment once. Uh, that's, that's right. My, uh, my little... Uh, Vine of Cascade hops uh, flourished one year. It's now it's now deceased, by the way. That was very sad. I spent a year on sabbatical, and yeah. the year I was gone, I think it was mistaken for a weed and, and torn up. But there was one year I had a bountiful harvest, and so in my backyard we 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 harvested and brewed in that same afternoon. So literally it was an hour or two between the time it got picked. Your uh, youngest son Andrew helped us harvest. My 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 younger son helped us out. There's a classic <laughs> picture of him uh, doing so. 
uh, well, we did we did uh, we did first wart hopping, didn't we? We put it in the uh, when we were warlofting, right? As I recall, I have no recollection. I know that we did not use them in the cold side. We didn't right. dry off with that them. That's my point. Was we were sort of halfway in between, and we got a fairly a fairly vegetal uh, uh, aspect from them, but not too bad. I was it's kind of a I enjoyed our beer. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was fine, and we only used fresh hops, so we were, as I recall, right? We didn't use any conventional hops. I think at the time you had learned this dirty secret of of, uh, of a few bittering hops at the beginning. So I think uh, we might have put a few oh, bittering good. hops in it at the beginning. At uh, that time, it was considered a dirty secret. Now it's considered conventional. Wisdom. Yeah, it was interesting because <laughs> I think I think uh, Ben, uh, God bless his soul, he's a youngster. Right. I don't think he's he's <laughs> he's too he's too young to remember. But there was a real a real uh, early on uh, a debate about whether. Uh, you should be allowed to call your beer a fresh hop beer if it used any dry hops at all. Right. That's long past. I think people realize that without using dry hops, you're really not making a yeah. good beer generally. So, What you're looking for is the quality and the character of the fresh hop, not some kind of weird purity test. You want, you want it to taste like a fresh hop, and however you can get there is, is the way yeah, you should Yeah, you and I it. were both in agreement early on on this, yeah. that, that yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not the recipe, but it's the character that you're... You're yeah. extracting, so because we're drinking these beers because we love them, not because there's some kind of weird. We're, we're not we're not a Reinheitske boat kind of country here. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, this is this is the Pacific Northwest yeah. after all. Where <laughs> anything goes, come on. This is the left coast. So uh, it's delightful to be in the Pacific Northwest, close to such uh, bountiful hot fields. It really has become the annual tradition among uh, brewers, and I think it's kind of nice because it helps remind people that this is, uh, uh, while, you know, in a place like this, it seems very industrial, it's still very much an agricultural product that, that they're making uh, and reminds people of that fact, that uh, they're using fresh and local ingredients um, to create. And there's something, there's something really, ex that I, I'm kind of old and jaded and I don't get really excited about things in the beer world anymore. But this thing happens, and it's always a fluid environment. These beers are typically brewers don't make the same ones every year, except for maybe a few breweries will make one or two of the same ones. So every year it's something new. Uh, at this point, breweries will list not only the hop varieties that they're using, but the farm that they, they, they picked it from. Right. So uh, there's something really connected with the terroir. Uh, and there are so many of them that we kind of get in this frenzy and we're going to pubs a lot and whenever there's a fresh hot beer we're trying to track it down i i tend to drink a lot more i i tend to what ben said earlier was true i i, I actually tend to go to the pubs more during fresh hop season because i like these beers and i want it's well, the only it's way to get that's them. how you found, found yeah. them. exactly yeah so i want to i want to give a plug to some of our our local our local events uh especially yes and you should come so if you're not in the pacific northwest i can't emphasize this enough you should come to portland or seattle in the month of September. You should really come to Portland. You, I think you should come to Portland. I think, I think we are actually, uh, just a tiny bit of background here. The, the growers in the Willamette Valley are family farms, and they're not necessarily connected to the big uh, hop brokers like Steiner. In uh, Yakima, it's a much more international market. The brewers are much more big industrial farms, and they don't have as close relationships directly with brewers. Yeah. So here, the brewers know the hop growers. They have relationships, and uh, very often during the, hop, the fresh hop season, they will be calling the hop growers and saying, you know, they've already said, I want, you know, however many pounds of uh, Cascade, and they'll call up Gail Goshi, for example, and say, Gail, you tell me the day that you're going to pick those and we will be there. And yeah. every day they got a call because Gail's out there in the fields testing, testing, testing. And when it's, it's go time, they race out and pick up the hops. So there's this connection to the grower, the grower and the brewer. That's why we list the farm. And there, I, think, I think there is a little bit more excitement. I think it feels a little bit more local. And, of course, we're a little bit more parochial than they are in Washington. So all those things conspire to make it kind of... Uh, Fun, really, it's really nice here. So yeah, I agree. You should come to Portland. Yeah. So there are two, there are two uh, wonderful festivals that are, that are definitely worth checking out if uh, fresh hot beers are something that intrigues you. Um, the first this year at on September 26th is the Hood River Festival uh, out in Hood River. Lovely Hood River. Um, uh, this is the older fest. This is going on 10 or 12 years. Yeah. Uh, right in downtown Hood River. Um, uh, 
often beautiful weather. Not always, but often. Occasionally <laughs> terrible weather. <laughs> Occasionally terrible weather. <laughs> uh, and then in Portland, the, um, the Oregon Brewers Guild puts on a Fresh Hop Festival at uh, Oaks Park Amusement Park, uh, which is um, on the banks of the Willamette River in, uh, in southeast Portland, which is also really nice. And then my favorite event has just happened, uh, but it's the Lucky Lab Brew Pub's uh, uh, mutt uh, making, I guess. I'm not sure what the, what the official thing is, but uh, this is where all of the people like you and I who have maybe a hop, uh, a hop vine in, the, in, the, in your backyard or growing up your wall of your garage can harvest the hops, bring them down to the Lucky Lab Brew Pub where they use anything and everything uh, to produce a beer appropriately called the mud. <laughs> yeah, and it's a big fest. They they uh, they have they uh, out they do the the outsourcing of the plucking, so that people just drop their hops off all day, and then uh, for a couple hours you can go down there and, and pick the hops pick and put the them hops in, in barrels, and they give you free beer and free hot wings, and it's like a community event. It's very cool. Yeah, very Portland, very cool. Uh, you've missed it this year, I think, but uh, something you can target. Yeah, we think that it happened years. maybe yesterday or Monday. Uh, so it happened very recently. So yeah. we're a little late. We tried to do this at the start of the season uh, so that you would have a chance to book your flight here soon. But um, that, that happens right at the bat, right that's off the right, bat. That's so. right. Last-minute flights available on online. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, Big props to uh, Ben Edmonds and Breakside Brewing for, for hosting us. I hope the audio quality wasn't too horrible, but now you know what it's like to work in a brewery all day. Yeah, this is what it's like. It's very loud. It's yes. very industrial. <laughs> very loud, these, very industrial. These guys work hard. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks for listening to this podcast. Uh, how to get in touch. Of course, Jeff blogs at uh, the Beervana blog. And I should mention that you've linked to uh, uh, a site where someone's compiling a list of uh, fresh hot beers as they become available. That's true, and I, I I meant to put that at the top of my blog, and I, maybe I'll do that. Um, there's a a guy in uh, I think he's in Bend who is keeping a database of all the fresh hot beers. So we'll we'll try to put that at the top of the blog. So yeah, you can so see go to that. Beer on a blog to look for look for the latest list of uh, uh, fresh hot beers. Uh, Jeff also blogs at uh, All About Beer blog and uh, is starting a column there. Uh, tweets at Beervana, and you can find him uh, at the the underscore beer axe at yahoo.com. If you want to email us, and you should email us, we're feeling a little lonely. No one's ever emailing us. You should email us at that, that email. Yeah, once we start getting regular emails, we can actually start having a mailbag session where we can answer questions right. about anything and everything you want to know about beer. That's right. Jeff, Jeff will answer those questions. <laughs> Unless they're about economics, in which case Patrick <laughs> will answer them. Uh, and Patrick, speaking of, blogs at Beeronomics and tweets at at Beeronomics. Um, and you can find us talking about this podcast uh, at my Facebook site, uh, which is if, you, if you're on Facebook, if you look up Beervana, the blog, uh, you'll find that and you will see us talking about this podcast. And that is where I'll post some, uh, some pictures from today's session. Cool. All right. Uh, until then, I'm going to pick up the Fresh Hop Wonderlust. I will pick up the Fresh Hop IPA. All right, and I say cheers, Jeff. Cheers, Patrick. Sarge.